Welcome in to episode number 21 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. Where does the time go? Can't believe it's already episode 21. And I can't believe we're getting closer to the nomination of the 2023 class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Nominations are open now on our website, CanadianComedyHall.com. We have information on this on our social medias as well. Um, to be a nominator, to be uh, a person who nominates people for the Hall of Fame, you have to be a member of the Hall. Real simple, $25 membership. There's a limited amount of membership, so get in on those quick. All the details are at CanadianComedyHall.com. Very exciting episode today. Two amazing guests, uh, Jose Pranin, a very funny comedian, TED Talk extraordinaire, uh, public speaker, motivational speaker amazing guy he's coming up in part two of this show but first it's lindy greenwood very excited to have lindy on the show you might know lindy from shows like the expanse or nikita uh, she's got a, quite the resume of dramatic acting but she's jumping into the comedy world for a new show that's out on ctv right now the show is called shelved Shelved is created and executive produced by Anthony Q. Farrell from The Office. It's on CTV, uh, an original series. Very, fu very funny. Uh, it's a workplace comedy. It follows the staff and patrons of an underfunded Jameson branch of the Metro Public Library in, in Toronto. Uh, Lindy plays Wendy Yarmouth. It is a very funny show. It is currently out Mondays uh, at 9.30 on CTV, ctv.ca, and the CTV app. I had a great chat with Lindy about her career and about this very funny show, workplace comedies, and, and stepping her, her and putting her foot into to the comedy world. Uh, it's a great show. Check it out. Enjoy my interview with Lindy Greenwood. Yeah, so first of all, this is, a, this is a workplace comedy, and there's been a lot of those workplace comedies come out in the last few years, like The Office and, and Parks and Rec, and, and this one shelved is about a library, which you think a library show would play it safe in some regards but this this doesn't at all uh which which i love um the show really has a diverse feel and and diverse comedy so can you just speak about that about the the comedy style of the of the show sure i mean the comedy style is diverse actually yeah there's i mean there's some dry humor but there is also you know some physical comedy um and i mean the diversity of the well, the whole thing is diverse because it's set in a very diverse place i mean parkdale is like mm -hmm. right for all different types of stories um so yeah maybe the setting sort of speaks to that and and the comedy can range from kind of slapstick style as well to like there is uh references to bdsm in the first episode so it can go kind of that edgy vibe as well right <laughs> yeah 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 because i mean we're telling these stories that like are are, are real themes that come up in libraries um mm -hmm. and specifically in parkdale so you know you have to it's not all like you know unicorns and and rainbows in the libraries there are very real things that we have to contend with Absolutely. Um, you grew up in, in the GTA uh, in that area and, and you're Canadian and this is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Who were your influences growing up? Did you have any comedy influences, Canadian specifically? 
Well, when I was growing up, I sure loved Russell Peters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and um, I would say my biggest comedy icon, though, would probably not be Canadian. Okay. Be, you know, I loved Elaine from Seinfeld. Classic. So informative <laughs> just like <laughs> life and I actually do think I bring a bit of Elaine to Wendy um yeah I, now that you said that I see that a hundred percent yeah you yeah. definitely there's so, definitely an Elaine vibe yeah. yeah something about like her just like she commits to every moment mm -hmm. and that's what I try to do yeah um will, will we see an Elaine dance at all in the show <laughs> You know, I'm not going to say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did just remember, maybe a little later on in the season, Wendy moves a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> All righty. There's a Canadian legend in this show, in, in Robin Duke. I mean, uh, three seasons on Saturday Night Live, SCTV. She's oh, yeah. also, she teaches at Humber College. A lot of people I know have gone through her program and she's mentored. Just talk about what's it like. Uh, working with a Canadian legend like like Robin Duke, who plays the other Wendy in the show. Yes, unhoused Wendy. Um, gosh, it's such a gift. I mean, she. One thing I love about Robin is her work ethic. Like, she has this insane resume, and I feel like she could kind of come on set and just be like, "Yo, I'm Robin. What?" <laughs> you know. But she's like, she's there. She's in it. She's present. She gives she gives it in every moment for whoever she's working with. Um, and she is one of the best ad-libbers on the show. Like she'll just say, you know, one line many different ways. Uh, and each time is fresh and hilarious. So yeah, I adore working with her. How much ad-libbing was involved? I mean, the script you can tell is very good. Um, but how much freedom of play did you guys have on, on set? Not too much. I mean, like we got a little bit at the end of every scene, but they're just the words are so good and it's written mm. with such a wonderful pace um, that that was more the focus is to sort of get that timing right and then, uh, you know, play it in different ways, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, no, not not tons of ad libbing, some for sure, but not a ton. Um, a lot of the the roles that you've had like major roles in have been have been dramas, Nikita, uh, Sleepy Hollow, um, shows like that. What was the process like going into this where it, you're it's comedy mode full time? Was there a, a different process uh, for you getting into the show? Yeah, I mean, I think that also speaks to the the character of Wendy is different than other characters. So whether it's comedic or not, but I can't see Wendy in a series that wasn't comedy, but um, it just involved surprisingly more prep for me. I really needed to, um, to, to access this part of me that is Wendy. Like she's, she's super positive and loving and warm. And I needed to sort of sit in that place and like really break down the script in that space and like embody Wendy so that when I would get on set and we're having these really quick moments with like 10 different actors in a scene, you can sort of sit in that without getting whisked away um so yeah yeah I guess that was a, a different sort of a different process there was a lot of character development I found in the first two episodes um uh, which which I have seen uh which you don't see a lot in tv shows especially sitcoms where they're just trying to quickly introduce everyone here's what it is um but your characters have really evolved um, throughout is that do you think that's like a conscious thing that we'll see throughout like these characters are really going to evolve throughout the season 
Oh yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Um, there's an arc for everyone, and a general arc for Jameson as well, public library. So um, yeah, it's all intentional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can tell there's no throwaways or anything mm -hmm. like that, right? It's all very yeah planned out, which is which yeah, is good. I think it's actually also one of those shows that you can kind of watch over and over. Like there's a lot of little beats in there that you don't maybe catch the first time um, that are more fun to sort of go back. Oh, I didn't even notice that moment. So there's a lot of little subtleties that are intentional. Yeah, it's in the vein of those, uh, I don't know what else to call them other than workplace comedies, but they all, they seem to be those ones that people come back to time and time again. And this definitely has a lot of that in it. Yeah, yeah. You you obviously you grew up in the GTA, and I read somewhere that you uh, were a frequenter of the library uh, in your in your neighborhood. What was uh, a young Lindy more like? What what would you uh, check out of the library? What was your go to checkout? I definitely loved Nancy Drew, okay, uh, and the Hardy Boys, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I think I, I got some goosebumps in there when I was young, for sure. Um, yeah, those would have been my jam. Goosebumps, an absolute classic. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I also like the references to just like checking movies out um, of the library, which I feel like a certain generation will not know, but that was a big thing. Um, Obviously, Blockbuster and stuff was huge, but like actually checking a movie out of the library was was a huge deal back in the day. I mean, they loan instruments too, all sorts of things. So, yeah. My, this is totally off topic, but my lo local library here, I live in a, in a town called Brockville. They check oh. out um, sleds to go oh. sledding <laughs> um, down hills, which I think is the coolest thing. Like the library is so much more than just books, right? On you, uh, I love that. So good. Yeah. Um, there's a couple uh, Muppets references in the show, yeah. which I love the Muppets. Mm. Um, if you don't love the Muppets, there's something wrong with you. Do we... Um, foresee a Muppets cameo um, and how great would that be to, oh to actually work God. with the Muppets how cool would that be I yeah I <laughs> I don't I don't want to you know yeah give anything away but yeah that would be awesome yeah, yeah. Um, I actually told the story before but one of my first the uh the when I first got a cell phone I think one of the the, the first times that you could choose your cell phone ring mine was the Muppet theme Oh, that's amazing. Time my phone rang. I was just a little bit happier. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> unbelievable. I just took my daughter to Disney World and there's a Muppets ride and she's eight. Yeah. No idea what the Muppets were. She didn't wow. have a clue, which is failure on me as a parent, yeah, I think. Yeah. I gotta I gotta do better. Yeah. Um I like asking people this, uh, who come on the show. Do you know what your first your first entry in IMDB is? <laughs> I not a clue. It's it's the listener. Oh my god. The listener. Yes. Uh which is a show I watched and a show that was on CTV like shelved um oh. as well. It was a CTV show. Do you have any memories of working on the listener? I do actually now that I just asked, did I have a name? I think that was like one of my very yeah, obviously one of my very but what was the lead's name on that? show again oh you're, um, you're testing me um, <laughs> i don't mean <laughs> i don't know but yeah 
But anyway, I remember, I don't think I did have a name. And he on the day was like, no, your name's this, you need a name. And he gave me a name for my one line, um, which I thought was very nice. He was very kind to me on set that, that day. It's like my, one of my first TV gigs ever. I love that because yeah. like so many shows, you're just like, whatever, number two or something, number three. I have a couple more for you. The show debuts as we're taping this tonight, uh, yeah. March 6th uh, on CTV. Uh, I've already seen it. Very, very, very funny. Um, how, how are you going to watch it? Is there like a special party planned? Are you getting together yeah. with cast? or yeah, We have a little party planned. Um, and, you know, Dakota's flown in from... Oh, nice. Yeah. And Chris, I guess... Chris and Paul are here and I'm here. I live in Joshua Tree in California now, but I'm here for this. And so we're going to get together and celebrate. I hope everybody from the cast is there and crew. It'll be great to see folks. We got really tight. I mean, we we're shooting um, when we still had a lot of COVID restrictions in place. Um, mm. so, so it was a little more difficult to like really hang out with the crew, um, but it would be really lovely to celebrate with everybody tonight. We worked really hard and all really loved it. Dakota, by the way, she's a very hilarious stand-up comedian. Yeah. Um, her album's amazing. Have you seen her? Have you seen her perform? Have you snuck out to any clubs to see no, Dakota? I, I actually she performed here while we were doing the show, but with the COVID restrictions, I was not going out to see people do anything. Right. That's that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen a little bit online. So, but not yeah. live direct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Have to go. Yeah. She just did uh, just for last Vancouver, which is, which is cool. And a, I mean, a, a pretty... yeah, so fun. I mean, on set with Chris Sandiford, who's also a comedian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just so incredible to be with these two like hilarious individuals. And then Paul Bronstein is like the funniest man maybe I've ever met in my life. Oh my God. He, he kills it in this show. I've never um fallen in love with somebody with his political as much as this character which is a testament to the writing he was very you know yeah. he's polarizing but not exactly there's something about him that is still really like there's a heart in there somewhere and i think that's what we do on the show a lot is like address these sort of issues in a way that like allows us to still feel love for everybody um so yeah but i mean it was super intimidating to work with these people at first but then they're not intimidating they're just awesome and they want me to you know everyone to just have a good time and find the funniest moments in every scene well it is it is a very funny show i thanks for coming on lindy and and speaking with me to a few for a few minutes uh shelved is the show, show premieres tonight on ctv it, it's great thanks again i really appreciate it Oh, it's my pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Thanks once again to Lindy Greenwood for coming on the show. It was great chatting with her. I can't say this enough. You have to watch Shelved. It is Mondays at 9.30 on CTV, ctv.ca and the CTV app. Uh, I think episode three is coming up this week. If you're listening to this when it, when it, when it first comes out. Uh, awesome show. Check it out. CTV show. Okay, moving on. Jose Peranin. Uh, Jose is a hilarious stand-up comedian. He is a TED Talk speaker. Uh, he's a motivational speaker. Uh, and he's maybe the nicest human being in comedy. I actually met Jose at a conference that I was attending. Uh, and then this comedian got up and, and started speaking and telling his inspirational story about growing up in Lebanon, uh, his stutter, and what he's done to overcome that and overcome these obstacles in his life. It was such a great, great chat. And it, it was nice to see kind of a fellow comedian uh, in that environment. Jose didn't speak for 25 years uh, due to his stutter. He just decided not to speak. And now 
He is a public speaker uh, speaking on three continents and four languages. Amazing chat. Uh, stay tuned because I'm going to tell you all the things that Jose has going and where you can see him in his great shows that he produces in Toronto. I hope you enjoy this. It's my chat with Jose Perenin on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I was on your social media the other day and uh, I saw that you asked uh, AI chat GPT to write you five jokes about stuttering and they weren't good jokes at all. Um, do you feel like your job is safe from, from AI at this point? Uh, first of all, for the benefit of the listener, I will confirm that I do have a stutter. Everyone's internet is working just fine. <laughs> See, this is a joke that ChatGPT did not come up with. They they had a few truly mediocre jokes that that were that I simply did not find funny, and not because I stutter and felt. Oh, offended. This wasn't it. It was just not comedically proficient. So yes, I do feel much safer having seen the the caliber of the jokes that were delivered through AI. I mean, who knows? Maybe the next versions will will come up with better material but i just don't think comedy is only about the the semantics or the make mechanics of the jokes it's also about the the person the perspective that you bring as an individual, which is a source of these jokes in, in the first place. I saw you speak in, in Ottawa uh, recently last month or mm -hmm. at, at a conference for, for my work. I introduced myself and I was really moved by your, your speech and your story uh, is incredible. And, and the part that really caught my attention is your, your, your piece about talking to strangers um, and talking to <laughs> to overcome your your fear of speaking and talking to a hundred strangers a day. Can you tell me like where that idea came from and just where that confidence came from to to be able to do that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it was really cool meeting you at that <laughs> conference when you came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm I'm Chad, and I'm also a." comedian it's almost like in our mind there are <laughs> there are people on the one hand and then fellow comedians on the other hand <laughs> and it's it uh, and i recall in that moment thinking cool because i just I did not 
ex expect that to to happen per se. So thank you though for the the awesome words about the talk. Essentially, there's this exercise I do, which which involves going to the mall and asking for directions to a a hundred people. And it's an exercise that not only is incredibly effective for working on my stutter and the breathing technique I use for stuttering, but it's also great for desensitization to, to desensitize myself to situations that would otherwise have been, I mean, that, that are very uncomfortable. And the more I've, I have deliberately put myself in these moments of discomfort, the more my relationship with this discomfort has, has changed. In terms of where the idea came from, I had done this speech improvement course for the, the stuttering. And this was one of the exercises on, on the course. But I really took it to heart and and realized that hey, this this exercise is actually life changing, and I do it before I would say before the before most of my stand up comedy performances and the speeches. Now, I might not always have the time to do a hundred, but at least I will go do that exercise before I go up on stage. That's, that's wild to me. So like, even to this day, you know, you're a very professional speaker. You've probably done between stand up and, and motivational speaking thousands of times at this point, right? You still you know, make time. That's like your warm up exercise. Yes. So I did it in. I, I, I did do it for, for instance, in Ottawa before the conference. I did it actually both a day before to do a proper longer session as well as half an hour or so in the morning off of my talk. And now thankfully the, the conference center was connected to, to the mall, to the Rideau Mall in, in Ottawa. So it really worked out, but really I, I still do do this 
before the vast majority of of the times when I'm about to go up on stage. How'd you get your start in stand-up? So there is a, a bit of an of a two-part origin story that I think created a setting that ultimately led to the stand-up about six years ago, like the, the start stand-up a bit over six years ago now. First, when I was 15, I went from Lebanon where I grew up to this the summer school near Boston for a month. And it was this this school where where students from all around the world, from both the US and other countries would go for a month and would take some some summer classes. At the time, I was extremely self-conscious about being di different, about my stutter. In fact, I was avoiding speaking and, and people pretty much entirely. And I remember the first day at that summer school, I'm in the dorm and every guy has to it has to introduce himself to the whole to the whole the whole dorm and 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 we're talking probably 60 or 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 more people when my turn comes uh, I am thinking I have to to make a joke here. So that's the first instinct that that was sparked. Even though I I don't think I had done that before, I just realized that hey, this is a chance to have a fresh start in a brand new environment with people who who don't know me and i in, instinctively resorted to humor as a mechanism to express my difference my uniqueness with more control over my narrative with confidence that quite frankly, I did not have at the time. So it's my turn and I say, hi everyone. My name is 
Jose, and I speak like shit. <laughs> and even though I would not use these words anymore, at the time, I, I, re, I recall experiencing this sense of liberation, like, wow, I was able to mention something that I had always felt deeply insecure about, and I was able to do so from this place of, of I'll call it a place of power. And I mean power over the self, over my narrative. And even though after that whole ex experience, it still took me a very long time to, to start having more confidence. It, it, it was the, the first the, the spark. And then the next spark was, was, was when, I, when I moved to, to Montreal for, for university, At first, I had literally asked my, all my professors to exempt me from, from all of my pre, pre presentation. But when I would go to, to say, to say uh, house parties, in a few cases, I... I would tell people, hey, by the way, I'm not drunk or anything. I <laughs> I just speak this way because I have a stutter. And, and even though for most of my college ex experience, uh, I, I, I was holding back. And I was not really being social or or confident. These moments, these these moments, also acted as a spark to tell me that hey, if you joke about about being different, something interesting seems to be happening. And then years later, I I was. I uh, I decided to to do the stand-up comedy class at Second City in Toronto, and then what was meant to be, quite frankly, this this hobby for two months after work, it was just meant to be this self improvement challenge it ended up evolving beyond what i had initially anticipated 
that first joke, which is funny when you said, hey, I speak like shit. What was the reaction in the room? And then how did that reaction make you feel? Yeah, so I would probably not use it. I mean, I have now come up with, I guess, more... Mm -hmm. with more refined ways to 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 make these jokes but in that moment i recall feeling like people were laughing with me and it was obviously quite different than having then 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 having people laugh at you, which is not a, a a nice experience, obviously. But it, it, in that moment, I did recall feeling a sense of connection with others that I might, I might not have experienced the beforehand you're from lebanon i know you were just in oman um have you done stand-up in the middle east yeah so i i have done stand-up in four different languages including uh arabic so i performed I I have done stand up in Arabic many many times. It's uh yeah, it definitely was a new ex ex experience. Yeah. What what was the general reaction? What's the stand up scene like in the Middle East? Like, is there clubs? Um, is is there a vibrant scene of stand-up comedy there? So I can only speak for Lebanon. There is actually this this really this really thriving stand-up comedy scene for two reasons. The first reason is Obviously, the basic structure of, of a joke is the, the, the setup and the punchline. And the, the setup is all about creating that tension that then gets released with the uh, punchline. There's so much tension in the Middle East that comedy is a necessary coping coping mechanism. And so so that's the 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 first reason is that there was a a need. The, the Second factor that led to the scene in Lebanon to be very uh, thriving is 
this this platform called awkward and it's awk and then word as in w-o-r-d they've really they've really revolutionized the scene in lebanon they they have a they have this big comedy club with shows multiple nights a week and i i recall one of the first times i was performing there on a weeknight i i i recall one of the 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 people at the club telling me hey by the way we it's a relatively slow night at the club this evening and i asked oh like how many pe- pe- people approximately they said about a hundred. <laughs> yeah, very slow. Yeah. <laughs> which, which obviously compared to, 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 to a weeknight show in Canada where, where, well, I mean, of course, in a lot of cases, the, the, the show will have a big audience, but in, I mean, we are no, we are no strangers here to performing to rooms of five to, to ten people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's fascinating. I'm always fascinated by uh, different cultures and and how you know stand up is presented there, what's done, and spe- especially different languages and the fact you've done it in four mm. languages. What? What are the differences? I and I bring this question up a lot on this show with people who do stand up in French and English, and the difference in how they have to change their act for Quebec and and, and doing it. What, what's the differences in the different language? Like, what do you find when mm. presenting stand up in Arabic or English or or French? I believe you also do, e- right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Correct. So English, Arabic. French and Spanish. Oh wow! Because oh yeah, I uh, I have to say that I stutter in six different languages. <laughs> I would say because my because a lot of my jokes tend to be ten to not be re- related to specific cultural or linguistic matters, I find that the jokes translate really well across languages it's it's just that the that if i have a reference that is specific to 
one environment or one language or one country, I will update the, or adjust those references. Hmm. But, but I have thankfully found that most of my jokes translated into those other languages will do well. Yeah. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um you you have a uh, so, sofa sofa comedy which is which you created yeah, sofa laughs uh oh sofa laughs okay yeah, um, sofa laughs, yeah. it's it's gone from a living room to mm. getting these amazing headliners doing your shows in, in Toronto what was that progress like yeah so so sofa laughs has has been a very cool part of my journey in 2019 the show started in in my friend Emil's living room and he 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 is not a comedian per se although he is a funny guy and we would do these shows in his living room once a month. And we would get, I would say on average, 25 to 30 people at each of these shows. And the, the intimate experience of the, of shows in the living rooms was was definitely uh, awesome. And then it came the pandemic, and we we had done a few virtual shows, and then some that were, and then some that were outside. So, for instance. After the explosion in Lebanon of uh, the Beirut port, we 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 had done both virtual fundraising shows as well as a a few shows on a on a patio with Dave Medhej. And a few, and a few uh, other comedians, and then most recently last year, we we started doing the shows in actual comedy clubs, and our last shows had about a hundred and fifty attendees, and these. And these are mostly people that are that are friends of ours and they're friends of their friends. So it's been really uh, awesome to to showcase the amazing talent from Canada and sometimes the U.S. at these monthly. Sofa-esque comedy shows. 
it's amazing how something starts so small and it builds and yeah. builds and builds. It it feels <laughs> it feels really great. Um, you know, between sofa laughs and your TED talks and and all these awesome things you're doing, um, what would a young Jose think about that success? You know, the, the young man you were who who didn't speak for years and years. What do you think he mm. would think if he knew that this was his <laughs> life? Yeah, he would find this whole thing truly absurd because I was committed to to creating a life with as little speaking as humanly possible. In fact, I was in research before getting into 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 this line of work and yeah he would be in complete disbelief that my journey has evolved the way that it has there is thankfully a a a a documentary uh, that's being filmed about this journey and i think that it's it still often feels surreal for me now so i think it's cool that the whole journey was documented and it it goes to show not to 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 get corny or or cheesy that sometimes the the way things are today does not have to be the way things are tomorrow or in one year or two or five drastic change is a possibility. I saw the clip that of the documentary you mentioned when you were mm. speaking in Ottawa. Um, yeah. Is is there any details about when that when that's coming out? Um, it, I, I'm excited to see it um, and see your journey on on screen. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, according to the film maker Josiane, which is a funny coincidence that <laughs> that her name would would literally be the female equivalent of mine. <laughs> so the expected release of the film is is this spring. So it should be in a few months. And of course, I'll be I'll be sharing updates on my Instagram at yes way Jose J O Z E. Yeah, and I'll and I'll promote that before before and after too. Um, cool, cool. Uh, the uh, one more one more question for you. Um, I always want to get this in because I'm so curious where people uh get their comedy from. But who are your growing up? Did you have any like? A comedy influences was there anything that you 
you could like that you watched or read or or saw that that created that that spark for you mm. so i've i've always been into the the stand up i re- re- recall listening to the comedians like like Vin Cook and Chris Rock on my iPod as a teenager. In fact, this one time, my friends and I were having a movie night and at and to this day, I still don't know what I was thinking in that moment. I paused the film at some point and I told my friends I, I would be right back. I went to my room and then the way they tell me this story is, is they heard laughter from my room and then they go there and they see me watching stand up on my computer. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're still waiting for me to come back and continue watching the film. So I, I have always enjoyed it. And and in terms of specific comedians, now I wouldn't say influences because I guess of the fact that I have derived my comedy from a very specific adversity I've experienced. But there are a lot of comedians I absolutely love watching perform. The, the, some of the earliest ones include, of course, Chris Rock, and I mentioned Dane Cook. I used to love listening. I mean, uh, watching his co- comedy and even comedians that do that focus on one liners. Obviously, as someone who stutters, times of the essence, I I have to be efficient with the wording and so I've always enjoyed comedians like Dimitri Martin Mitch Hedberg mm-hmm. Stephen Wright to name a few and most recently I've been enjoying different types of of co- comedians. 
it's funny jerry seinfeld talks about that a lot is like less yeah seinfeld cutting, too, sorry yeah yeah, he talks about like cutting words, right? Like mm. he, the, the less words, the quicker you can get to the end and using that um, wording that is more funnier. Like he, he has this thing where he's like, uh, he was talking about basically the punchline needed to be a European city. The joke was about something in Europe and the punchline mm. was a European city. And originally he was saying Rome as the punchline, like going to Rome. I forget the joke, but then he said he changed it to Budapest and that was funnier. So like trying to find the right word is so important, right? In, in, yeah. in writing. It's almost like the, the fact that the word Budapest has three syllables it's like three times the, the <laughs> punch yeah uh i would say seinfeld is definitely up there uh in terms of of my favorite co comedians if we get into that topic the list would be way too long and we could record a <laughs> separate episode that that covers all of this and maybe I will take back what I said about them not being influences they might not be influences in terms of of the of the topics but of course we learn so much from from the comedians that we watch in terms of how they construct and how they and how they de deliver their deliver their material. Yeah, I, I learned so much watching on TV, but also watching in the club, you know, sitting mm -hmm. at the back of the room as yeah. as other people waiting to go up or just coming off. Like I learned so much from uh, there's so many great com Canadian comedians and, yep. and people doing it in this country. I, I'm You see it all the time. Um, yeah. Jose, thanks so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of your story. I'm a big fan of you. Um, if if anybody has the chance to to see you speak at or, or listen to one of your TED Talks or, or you're at a conference and you're speaking, I, I highly recommend. Uh, it, it was great. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you having me on to today, Chad. Speak, speak soon, man. Bye. Thanks again to Jose Perainen for coming on the show. Jose talked about Sofa Laughs, which is his monthly show he produces at Comedy Bar. The March lineup is an all-star one. Uh, Danish Anwar is on, or, on there. Mike Rita is on there. And Crystal Ferrier, who's actually going to be on the next episode of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, also on that show. If you want tickets, you're in Toronto. It's comedybar.ca, March 31st, 8.30 p.m. Amazing lineup. Thanks to Jose. And if you want to j book Jose for uh, public speaking, like I said, he's an amazing, amazing motivational speaker. That's where I first saw him, joseparainen.com. Uh, I'll put the link to his website in the bio, the description, wherever you are listening to this 
whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Just click on the description and, and the link for Jose's uh, uh, website will be right there. Uh, so thanks again to Josie. Thanks again to Lindy as well. First half of the show, Lindy uh, is on the new very funny show on CTV, Shelved. Uh, Mondays at 9.30 on CTV and CTV.ca and the CTV app. Check it out. I think it's episode three starting this week. But of course, you can go back to the app app and watch all the episodes. Uh, it's very, very fun. And don't forget, the nominations are now open. This is your chance for all voting members of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame to have your say and who should be in this class, this year's class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. This is a very fun episode, episode 21. Can't wait to see what comes up uh, with episode 22. It'll be coming out very shortly for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan.